0: Listen, can we give our scout a hand for that reading? What a, what a great job. Hard words, but you pulled it off like a professional, like a professional. Listen, I want to say a special welcome for, for our 930 contemporary um, audience right now who is uh, watching us on live stream, and so uh, just so they can feel the love, just so they can feel the love, just wave a hand just so they can feel it just so they can feel it. Now listen, I warned you all. I'm going to need your help later. Okay? You are you are full-fledged members now. I'm going to depend on you. We got it? You got it. All right. So today we begin week 2 of our sermon series Tug of War. And so last week we looked at the tension and, talking, and and talked about how there's some messy parts of relationships, but tension is, is, is really a, a major part of it and something that in every healthy relationship, there's always going to be tension. And today we're going to take a little bit of a different angle, but sort of the same theme. And I want to uh, talk this morning with the theme that you can't win every battle. You can't win every battle. Every battle. If you just do me a favor and just turn to someone around you and just tell them you can't win it all. 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 I know, I know you've been wanting to say that for a while. You can't win it. You can't win it all the time. You can't, you can't win it all. Let us pray. God, we're just so grateful for the many ways that you move within our lives. Center us now. Center me, speak to me, till the ground which your word is going to fall. Why you choose us will always be a mystery, at least to me. And so we're just grateful for the opportunity to be in your presence, but also to be used by you. So we pray that even as we think about our own relationships, to help us become better, better spouses, better people, better sons, better daughters, better members, better people in our community. But we can't do that without you. And we can't do that without your word. For this is our prayer. In Christ's name we do pray. Amen. Amen. You can't win every battle. As we continue on in our series called Tug of War, today we're going to take a closer look in how we deal with the constant pull Remember this tug of war, there's a constant pool in our relationships and even healthy relationships that come with this constant pool back and forth and how we handle this tension, how we handle the pool and the back and forth determines the quality of all of our relationships. And the hard part is that in the game of tug of war is that someone inevitably wins and someone loses. And today is a reminder, it's a reminder, it's a reminder that you don't always have to win at every single battle. And what better way to talk about this than looking at one of the most entertaining games of tug of war that's happening today called the Super Bowl. I mean, today, tonight is a big game. In fact, where are my Philly fans? All two of you, okay. (laughs) Where are my Chiefs fans? Are you kidding, wow, okay. Good to know, good to know, good to know. So, 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 here's a tidbit, here's a tidbit just for black history. Tonight is the first time in Super Bowl history that two African-American quarterbacks are going to be starting. So whether you're rooting for Philly, amen. Now, because neither of them are the Detroit Lions, I really don't care who wins. There you go. I do it. I'm in good company. really don't care who wins. I just hope it's a good game. But the truth is, it's, it's really hard to decide because both teams have had a really good season. The Chiefs were 16-3. and The Philadelphia Eagles were 16-3. In fact, fact check me if I'm wrong, but there has been only one NFL team that's ever had an undefeated season and went on to win the championship, which means that who's ever going to win tonight has had some losses along the way. Tonight, regardless of which team you are rooting for, someone will win and someone will lose. They will have their game planned, they will claw and scratch, they will leave it all out there on the field, but eventually, around midnight tonight, because you know the game will be extended with all of their commercials, in the end, in the end, I promise you that somebody will win and somebody will lose. Even if you're not a football fan, it's a familiar strategy for many of us because that is the way we approach the conflict and the tug of war in our relationships. At home, at work, with our family, with our kids, with our parents, there is one winner and there is one loser. I mean, we bring our A game. We bring our best arguments, our well-crafted point of views. We bring our ideas, our wills, our way of doing things because the goal is to win because in the game of relational tug-of-war, the way so many of us approach it is somebody has to win and somebody has to lose. And because we are a culture that is obsessed with winning, we define success professionally and relationally by our records of wins and losses. But today... Let's look at conflict from a different angle because if you desire to have healthy relationships that add to the quality of your life and help you become the person that God has created you to be, you cannot win every battle. In fact, you don't have to win every battle, which begs the question, what makes losing so hard? I mean, if we know that somebody has to win and somebody has to lose, why are we so uncomfortable and even afraid of losing? Why do we approach many of our conflicts with a pool and the goal of being undefeated? I think the question really points to our text today because it is one of the best examples Because at its core, our text teaches us a culture that is defined by winning. It is defined by winning. It teaches us how to lose well. In fact, Isaac, the son of Abraham, the father of Jacob and Esau, is trying to, to negotiate and navigate this interesting game of tug of war. Isaac is living in the land promised to him by God, and the Lord starts to bless him immensely, and his prosperity brought the attention of his neighbors, and they become envious and even intimidated, and uh, this puts the conflict in motion. The Philistines hear about it and and they get petty and start filling up the wells dug during the time of his father. So then he moves on and builds another well. And this happens on several occasions. Isaac is just trying to build wells for his family, for his flock, uh, for, 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 uh, for his entire family, and all he's trying to do is just dig some simple wells and every time somebody else comes along and they start the conflict, and now he has to move on and dig another well because they are pulling over the ownership of the wells and he always seems to be on the losing end. Because in our relational conflict, somebody has to win and somebody has to lose. In fact, when Pastor Mindy and I were talking about this, um, specifically this week, uh, we realized it was the Super Bowl. True story, and I'll let you in on our text thread. When we realized it was the Super Bowl weekend, her response was, I hope both teams just have fun. true story. My response, I don't think that's the concept of playoff games. It actually sucks really bad when you lose. Pastor Mindy's response, all right, not fun. Nobody enjoys losing. Because regardless of the sport, the event, the discussion, the game, the goal, we do not like to be on the losing side of anything. Because at the heart of being a sore loser is an unspoken grief or expectation that has gone unacknowledged or unmet. We wanted something and didn't get it. We expected a certain outcome and it didn't happen. So losing hurts. But if we are always winning, that means someone else is consistently losing. If we are always winning, that means someone else is consistently losing. So if you are always winning in your life, if you're winning every battle, that means somebody else is always on the losing end. In fact, let me prove it to you. Let me just get about five or six of you just to line up and come and shake my hand. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because we're always told it's not how you play the game, but it's how you win or lose. It's how you win or lose. Let's come into the light. Let's come into the light. You can just you can just shake my hand and walk on off. Watch this. Good game. 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 Real good game. Good game. Good game. Good game. Good game. Good game, Bob. Good game. Good game. Good game. Good game. Thank you so much. Good game. Good game. Okay, you can leave now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There you go. You can leave now. Good game. 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 Give him a hand, give him a hand, give him a hand. Doesn't that look familiar? I mean, if you've been to any little league professional watched on TV, at the end, it's just ceremonial. It's a ceremonial sign of good sportsmanship. But it's always easy when you're on the winning side. It's easy to tell somebody, good game, and shake their hand and and congratulate them. But it's hard when you're on the losing end. Because here's the reality, is that when I'm always winning, on the other side of every handshake is another person. So the more I win, the more you lose. The more I win at every argument, at every battle, the more I win, the more you lose. What does that do to the morale and to the perception, to the people that God has placed in our lives? Because if we're always on the other side of winning, what does that say to the people who God has placed around us? What does that do to our family if we are always the ones on the winning side? In fact, the Bible can sometimes be very vague about details, but to others, the details really matter because our text is very clear about the people involved, and here's why that's important. Because the Bible lets you know every name and every nation that was on the other side. It lets us know that this was Isaac that was on the other end. Remember, remember that this tug of war is the constant pool of needs and desires and wishes and dreams. It's being pulled in opposite directions. So if I'm always winning with my needs and my desires and my wishes and my dreams, then the person on the other end is always losing, the person is always losing with their dreams and their desires and their wishes and their needs. So someone else's needs and their desires it's not getting fulfilled if we are always on the winning side so here's a needed reminder some battles are not worth fighting some battles are not worth fighting We're going to get into a bit of this next week, but there are definitely times when we need to dig our heels in the sand and fight for certain principles. And for Isaac, uh, it could be one of those times, but it's not. In fact, in our marriage class here at St. Luke's, we use a book called The Seven Principles of Making Marriage Work by Drs. John and Julia Gottman. And one of the chapters is geared around managing conflict. They did some research and they followed couples over a course of several years and they compared the content of their discussions around the problems in their marriage from the last time they were in the lab, and they found, here's what they found, they found that 69% of the problems that couples discussed were the same problems they talked about the last time that they were together in the lab. Here's what they concluded. They concluded that the majority of the problems that couples experience, they are perpetual problems that they are never going to solve. Never going to solve. So even if you try and dig your heels into the ground, the problem is not going to solve itself. So they drew a conclusion. They said there's a difference between perpetual problems and solvable problems. Perpetual problems are those problems that center on either fundamental differences in your personalities or your fundamental differences in your lifestyle needs. These are the things that are probably never going to change. There will always be a constant tug of war around these issues. Always. Always. Then those things that are solvable problems. Somebody say solvable. Solvable. These are those things that can be somewhat situational. The conflict is simply about the topic and there may not be any deeper meaning behind each partner's of position. A solution can be found and maintained. There's a difference between perpetual problems and solvable problems. In fact, in fact, let me, let, me, let, me, um, let me give you a real life example of this. Let me give you a real life example of this because, because there, there, there are some battles that's going to be hard for you because there are some battles that you are never going to win. Can you be okay with that? Can you be okay with there's some battles in your life and in your relationships that even if you pray about them, there still isn't a readily solution? In fact, here's what this looks like in real life. Here's, Here's what it looks like in real life. Now let me just say this. I have a bone to pick with several of you. Don't laugh yet, don't laugh yet because I'm really questioning my relationship with some of you, because I made some comments in worship last week that I thought could stay between you and I, but apparently I overestimated your allegiance and literally, I'm not kidding you, true story. By the time I got home, some of you had already alerted my spouse to the intimate details of our Sunday morning conversation. So, so in light of that experience, I wanted to give her an opportunity to speak into this series. So I asked her her opinion on things that I did that annoyed her. And here's what she said. She said, true story, true story, it's not, it's not made up. I'll read it to you. She said, number one, you don't take your shoes off in the house, even though I got a job and helped pay the mortgage too. Number two, you snore. Number three, you get in bed in, in clothes that you wore outside and not pajamas. What happens if I want to go back outside? You kiss me without brushing your teeth. So much for to death do us part. You say, yes, I'll do that, but never say when, and then have to be hounded to do whatever it was. True story. You cook, but rarely clean, as you go leaving an incredible mess behind you, but nobody starves. You answer the phone or speaker either making us all listen to your conversation or putting me out there. Now, for the record, for the record, she did not ask for my opinion in return. (laughs) Because I can tell you with absolute certainty that there are certain things on her list that are absolutely never going to change, so she might as well move on not to a different person, to a different conversation, right? (laughs) Because the challenge is not to win every battle, but choose your battles wisely. Because so many of us spend so much time and energy in perpetual problems that are never going to be solved. Think of how much energy Isaac... Isaac did not have the language of perpetual or solvable, but he understood that maybe these nations were never going to change, that they would always be after every well that he dug. So he had enough. Patience, and enough sense to just move on to the next well. There was another conflict, so he moved on to another well because perpetual problems will always be in a state of conflict. You have to choose your battles wisely, not the ones that you can win, but the ones that you can solve. Have you been putting so much time and energy to things that are unsolvable? But if you choose your battles well, that requires you to learn how to lose well. Because by all accounts, we can say that Isaac lost more than he won. He lost about four or five wells, so let's just peek ahead a bit and let's see, let's see, let's see what a loser Isaac was. Because every nation came and wanted his well, and it seemed like he was always on the losing end. So, so, so grab your pen and piece of paper, and we're going to, to really jot down all of the ways that he lost. You ready for this? You got your pen? You got your paper? Because we're going to write down all the ways that he lost, because he was always on the losing end. He was always on the losing end. So let's take a quick peek. Let's take a quick peek ahead and let's write down all the ways that he lost further on down in the scripture. It talks about the things he lost. Listen, listen to what the word of God says he lost. It says, that night the Lord appeared to him and said, I am the Lord, the God of your father Abraham. Do not be afraid for I'm with you. I will bless you and will increase the number of your, deced- uh, the number of your descendants for the sake of your father Abraham. Listen to it again. I will bless you. And will increase the number of your descendants for the sake of your father Abraham. It sounds like he lost a lot, didn't he? It sounds like he lost a whole lot, didn't he? He said, I will bless you and will increase the number of your descendants for the sake of your father Abraham. Now, let's keep picking just a little bit more. He says a few more verses down, some of the same people that was giving him a hard time saw how God was moving in his life, and they return to Isaac and apologize, and they make a covenant with him. They eat, they toss a few drinks back, and they leave Peacefully. Did all that just go over your head? He lost by our definitions, and the Lord comes to him and says, don't worry about it. I will continue to increase the number of your descendants. He lost a whole lot. The same people that he was in conflict with came back, apologized, saw how the Lord was moving in his life, made a covenant with him, and they left peacefully. See, with the hand of God is on your life. You don't have to fight over one well. You can lose gracefully and sometimes willingly because you have a much bigger picture of what God is doing in your life and through the relationships that God has placed around you. So many of us get depressed and we get angry, and sometimes we're sore losers because we're looking at the fact that we lost one whale, but your God is bigger than one whale. Your God is bigger than one conflict. Isaac was able to move on because he understood that God was doing was so much bigger in his life. That suggests that faith is a journey that requires us to learn how to lose well. It's hard to live as a faithful disciple and always be on the winning side. It's hard to maintain healthy and mutually beneficial relationships that add to the quality of your life without losing sometimes. Walking with God will require you to lose well. Listen to what Jesus says about losing. Listen to what Jesus says about losing. Jesus says, truly, I tell you, unless a grain of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it will remain a single seed. But if it dies, if it dies, it bears much fruit. Whoever finds his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. Peter said to Jesus, Jesus, we have left everything and followed you. Jesus challenges our narrow perceptions of winning and losing. Isaac is certainly not playing in any one Super Bowl. He has a losing record. And get this, the Lord continues to still add to his life. He built the wells that he needed. He came away with more relationships than when he started. Was it his desire to win? Or was it his willingness to lose? The question we must ask ourselves is how is God challenging me to redefine the definition of winning in my life? How is God challenging us to redefine winning as we become more faithful disciples of Jesus Christ? What does success look like in my faith? What does a winning record look like in my faith at home, at work, with my kids, with my parents? Because it's easy to win, but sometimes we become closer to who God created us and called us to be when we lose. We live in a world that is obsessed with winning. And yet we serve a God that is constantly working when we lose and surrender. The truth is, you can't win every battle. But the other truth is, because we have experienced the love of God, you don't even have to win every battle. We don't have to win every argument. We don't have to win every conflict. Because with the love of God, it is not about a winning record. But it's about how we're willing to sometimes lose to the people we love. Won't you pray with me? God, so often, when we pray to you, it's really to win. When we ask of you and request of you, it's often to be on the winning side of some predicament, to some circumstance, to a problem we're facing, to a conflict that we're having, We often come to you because we believe that you are a winning God. Yes, you can't fail. We know that. But we also know you to be a God who said that you would give of your life. For whosoever believeth shall not perish, but shall have eternal life. We, we, We serve a God that continuously loses and gives so much of God's self. So help us to cherish our relationships more than our love for winning. Help us to see that even when we sometimes lose, if our relationships are still intact, if we can still feel the presence of a wise and loving God in our lives, life isn't about who wins and who loses. Because with you, Even the most difficult situations can always be a win-win. For this is our hope and this is our prayer. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.